As we are preparing for the mission that God has had. And this is about a mission that God has called us to. And you're a part of that mission. And the reason why is because back in February, as we just said, we did a survey. And you responded to that survey. And then we asked Dr. Crow, our expert among us, that that gave us good advice. And also called a team together to analyze that survey. So as we begin this journey together, listen to what Dr. Crow has to share with us. Is it on, John? The analysis that you're about to see on the screen uh, is provided by a committee appointed by uh, Reverend Tony, and uh, it consisted of Raquel Aparicio, myself, Jim Hartman, Jeff Lehman, Paul Plum, and Cindy Stockwell. Uh, The survey mostly consisted of qualitative questions. When that happens, you have to categorize them, and you have to count and see how many things fell into each category, and that was done as a committee. Uh, At the end of that, a reflective narrative commentary was given to the pastor, which was then forwarded to the board and then to the uh, to the leadership team. So we want to begin with methodology. How did this happen? Uh, There was a a all church lunch and there were uh, 32 tables. And at those tables, there were a total of 201 people. On average, there were about seven people per table between two and ten, as it turned out. But seven on average. And then from each table, one sheet of responses. So we have 32 sheets of responses. On several of these questions, the table presented more than one response, many, many more in some cases. So the, the, uh, the ratios and percentages are out of the 32. So in the Seek the Kingdom theme, uh, the, one of the questions is, what are the positives about this church? And community and fellowship came out on top. It was mentioned on all but three of the tables. There was some item in that category on all but three of the tables. Um, there was a question on what are, what are our strongest ministries. And there were two that were standouts. One on this one, uh, just less than half of the tables listed children's ministry. We'll come to another one in just a minute. So just less than half. Um, and so that was the top one. And then there was a question about what kind of space or building needs do we need to uh, facilitate our ministry? And uh, the number one was at just over half of the tables listing it, permanent youth room space with bathrooms. And then uh, with about a third of the tables, a gym, and at a fourth, another large multipurpose meeting room like we have in the fellowship hall. On the theme of serve the community, There were a couple of different questions that asked about ministries, starting them, examining them, etc. And um, the the responses were put into uh, uh, categories, and uh, there were three categories that we recognized, and within those categories were listed. But the lion's share fell into compassionate ministries. It was far and away the most likely. And if you went through all the surveys put together, homeless ministries came up on two-thirds of the, uh, the surveys. So um, on, on one third, uh, food, shelter, and clothing uh, appeared. Um, going back to the, the question of our strongest ministry, uh, global missions was just over a third. So very close to children's ministries, uh, the two most uh, common. The next most common had only four tables mention it. So those are the two that people recognized. Um, we took... Uh, There was a question that said, what scripture do you suggest we use as a basis for our mission statement? This provided some joy because people not only put references that you can check pretty quick, uh, but they also included phrases, just phrases. So 
with a fair amount of uh, searching on Bible Gateway and others trying to find the version that they might have used and so forth, um, it turned out that the Great Commission dwarfed uh, the, 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 all the rest in terms of uh, frequency. In fact, it's three times as likely to appear as the next one down the list. And it appeared on uh, almost half the sheets. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Thank you. Our precious Father in heaven, I thank you for opening eyes and I thank you for opening our hearts this morning that we might, Lord, not only uh, hear your voice, but that we might see the need that is around us in this world that is a world that is in need of a savior. And there's no question in our mind, Lord, that we exist with a very important purpose. And that purpose is that we might glorify you as we become Jesus' hands and Jesus' feet in this world around us. Father in heaven, I pray that you would just uh, do something special today. I pray that you would ignite hearts and that you would inspire minds. And that, Lord, that you will be glorified as we learn how to be the church that you have called us to be. And really to be a church that is on mission. And we understand it and we believe that this morning, Father, that we have a mission that you have called us to as a congregation. And so, Father, I pray that your anointing would be upon this moment, upon this service. And that, Lord, that not one heart would leave today without being inspired by your touch. Jesus, we need you. We need you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. And all God's people said, Amen. I came across a quote that some of you have heard before. It's, it's several years old. And, and it's a quote. It was something that was said by a man whose name is Henry Ford, who is the founder of the Ford Motor Company. And here's what he said in this quote. He said, you can take away my, my machines. You can take away my buildings. You can take away my property. You can take away my company. But if you leave me my employees, my people, I will build it all back again. I, I love that. And I love the fact that there's so much like ministry when we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, there's no doubt in our mind that the gospel is about Jesus Christ and him crucified. We understand that. But when Jesus Christ went to the cross, he had people on his mind. And so we understand that ministry is about people and, and that if we're going to be effective in ministry, that it will be about people. And so the question is this, how do we, how do we affect the lives of people in this world in which we live? I mean, how can we affect, affect our world and our community in such a way that we become a part of what God is already doing? Well, I have an answer for us this morning. I have a proposal this morning. I propose that we do that by raising the evangelistic temperature of Mission Church of the Nazarene. Now, I want to invite you to think about that for a moment. I mean, just imagine what would happen if we were to, you know, raise the passion of every one of us in the congregation. I mean, every person that's sitting here this morning, every person in the first service, every person that's on a business trip right now or on vacation, so that every person that is a part of Mission Church of the Nazarene, our passion were to be raised at least, say, by one degree. I mean, just one degree, every one of us. I mean, one degree, it makes a difference. I, 
I like flying. Some of you know that already. I love flying. I'm a private pilot, and I've learned that when I plan and navigate a trip across the country, that I may need to make sure that my trajectory is, is completely accurate. Because if I'm off by even one degree, it makes a difference in the long haul. It's like an article I was reading um, by NASA and they were, they were saying that if they were to launch a rocket to the moon, that if it was off by one degree, that in one mile, it would only be off by 92 feet. That's not very far <clears throat> or very much. But by the time that rocket were to arrive or was to arrive at the moon, it would be off by 4,000 miles. One degree. One degree, church, makes all the difference in the world. You know, it's like water. We know that at 211 degrees, water is just really hot water, right? But 212 degrees, water becomes boiling water, and boiling water creates steam. And the steam can power a locomotive up a, 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 a hill that's a mountain. We understand that. I mean, steam creates power. It's like uh, the, the tour my wife and I went on and my kids went on last week. We had the opportunity to tour the aircraft carrier Midway. Because of Ed Lewis, he gave us some tickets, and so we toured the Midway. And because I like flying, I, I, I was paying attention to the lessons that they were given. They had some pilots that were talking, and they, they showed how this shuttle, which is about this wide and maybe about this long, that's on the deck of uh, the runway, which is only 250 feet taking off, that the shuttle is connected to some, some, some hoses and pipes and apparatus that is controlled and powered by two steam tanks. And the shuttle, connected to a bar on the tip of the plane, jerks that plane 250 feet, even planes up to 70,000 pounds. The power of that steam launches those planes at 160 miles an hour because of the power of steam. You see, the difference of just one degree. Now imagine if we could raise the evangelistic temperature, I mean the passion of our heart for Jesus, just by one degree with everybody in the church. In fact, I want to do something real fun uh, this morning. I need ten people right away. Ten people, come up here and stand right here in a perfect line. Ten of you, come on, some of our young people over here. Uh, come up here, I need ten people real quick, and uh, you'll see how this works out. So we have about half, come on, come on, ten people. I need ten people to stand up here. And, uh, okay, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, awesome. <clears throat> oh, man, I'm sorry. Hate to reject a guy like that. Okay, okay, stand in line, okay, so we can, everybody can see you. So I want to invite you to imagine that this is a scale, and this is one, okay, this is the scale of our evangelistic temperature of Mission Church of the Nazarene, and this is the number one on the scale. And this over here, this man here is a number 10, okay? All right? And the scale on number one here, this means that this guy, he's number one. This means he's ice cold. Okay, this guy's ice cold. All right, now, are you ready? This man here is sizzling hot. Okay? I'm going to touch him. Okay, he's sizzling hot. This means he's excited about Jesus. But this guy here, he's ice cold. He's afraid to say anything about Jesus. He won't even tell anybody that he goes to church. Now, mind you, all ten of these people go to church. But this one here it won't even mention church to anybody at all. In fact, he's afraid to. And so it just never happens. It never comes out of his mouth, let alone invite anybody to church or share the story of Jesus with anybody. But this person here, they're a little warmed up. Once in a while, they might mention they go to church. Now, this person here, this guy here is a little bit more warmed up. And he might even mention 
mention church. In fact, he probably mentions church once in a while to his friends and neighbors and people that he talks to. This guy here says, hey, my church is great. It's awesome. He's a number 40. And in fact, maybe once a year, if you can imagine, once a year, uh, he might, if we have a special concert or a special program, he might invite somebody to come to our church for that special event. Never to a regular service, but something special, he might invite somebody once a year. Now, and then, of course, as we go up the scale, people get hotter and hotter. And, and maybe maybe even four times a year, this, this precious lady invites somebody to church. But, man, we get to number 10. Yeah. He's sizzling hot. And he's excited about Jesus. <clears throat> In fact, he cannot wait to get out of here this morning because he wants to go tell somebody about Jesus Christ. He's sizzling hot. In fact, he will probably invite somebody to church before next Sunday and they'll come to church next Sunday. He's so excited about Jesus that he knows how to tell his story. He knows how to tell people that Jesus is the answer for life's problems. He's sizzling hot and he's prepared himself and he thinks about it, maybe even dreams about it because he loves Jesus with all his heart. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning, teenagers and young people, everybody. Where are you on this scale? I mean, are you ice cold? Are you scared to death to even mention church and you never mention church ever because you're chasing something else? Or maybe you're kind of in the middle here, or maybe you're about here, you give yourself, somebody said, Pastor, I, I think I'm a six. That's what they were saying about themselves. And, and maybe, maybe you're already sizzling hot. But imagine in your mind's eye, if, if God were to allow us to raise the evangelistic temperature and the passion that we have for Jesus Christ, just by one degree, I mean, every one of us, just by one notch, by one degree, Folks, it would impact our world for Christ. Give these guys a hand. You may be seated. Now, you may ask, how do we, how do we up it? I mean, how, how do we put another log on the fire? If we're going to raise the evangelistic temperature of, of Mission Church of the Nazarene, how do we put a log on the fire? Well, the first thing that we do, here's the first log. The first thing that we do is we celebrate we celebrate when somebody comes to know Jesus Christ. In fact, in the first service over here on my left, right here, there's a gentleman that listened to the mission of this church. And he was so moved that he wanted to be a part of it. But yet there was something that had not happened. And that was Jesus Christ. And this man this morning asked Jesus into his heart as his personal Savior. Amen. Woo! You see, we celebrate. We celebrate that Jesus Christ changes lives and transforms life. It is, it is Christ-centric. That's what it is when we're on mission for Jesus Christ. So we celebrate. I cannot help but go to Luke chapter 15 and we think about the found coin. And we think about the found sheep. And we think about the story of the found son, you know, the prodigal son. And, and what happened when the son that was the prodigal son and had gone away, but now he had been found, he'd come home. What did the father do? What did the family do? Yeah, they partied. They had a celebration because the, the one who was lost was found. Jesus Christ came to seek and save those who were lost. And, and, and all of heaven and the trumpets play in heaven when somebody is found in Jesus' name. Amen. And so how do we put a, a log on the fire? We celebrate what God is doing. And then the second thing is we pray. That's right. It's interesting when we start praying about those 
that do not know Jesus or somebody maybe in our circle of influence that does not walk with Jesus yet, when we begin to pray for those that are lost, there's something that happens. God begins to raise the passion of our own heart for those to know Jesus as we pray for them. In fact, I said this the other day. When you pray and ask God to show you somebody that you can invite to church or share Jesus with, he answers that prayer every time. I've experienced that. God will answer the prayer. If you say, God, show me somebody that I can invite to church or share Jesus with. He will show you somebody as you pray. And when you pray, your passion will be raised and it will become hotter for Christ. The third thing, the third log that you put on the fire is proximity. This means that we move ourselves into proximity, that we might have relationship with people and we build bridges into people's lives. You see, this is maybe a challenge for us, church, that we take mission church to the streets. This means we move out of the proximity of the four walls and we we take mission church to the campuses and the universities and and maybe take it to the streets somehow. I I have in my mind's eye uh, maybe a a Frito-Lay truck that we purchase, an old Frito-Lay truck, and we put one of those nice wraps on it, has our logo, and it says Mobile Mission, Mission Church of the Nazarene. And I can imagine one of our local doctors volunteering two hours of their time and we provide free medical services for those that are homeless. And then maybe another two hours a week we use the mobile ministry truck to give food away to those that are hurting and those that are hungry and we serve our community and maybe there's some you know need out there for senior adults that we can help them in their homes and we take the mobile ministry the mobile truck into the streets and we do something that makes a difference for the kingdom amen proximity so we change the proximity of our ministry for God's glory that's a log on the fire what's another log another log on the fire are our stories I mean, we can do that. Every one of us, no matter our personality type, no matter whether we are introvert or extrovert, we can share how Jesus Christ has made a difference in our life and we can share our stories. And in fact, as we watch this video, the last video, we can be a part of changing the story of somebody else's life. We can be the hands and feet of Jesus and we can impact people's lives by caring for them and loving on them and helping them. And we can impact their lives by being Jesus to them. Amen. And so how do we do that? By sharing our stories. And then what is the next log? The next log is understanding that vision leaks. Do you understand that? Vision leaks. You know, there's no question in my mind that we are busy people and we have job and we have work. And what happens, human tendency or our nature is that as time goes, we forget the mission. We forget the vision. So you see, the challenge for us is to understand that vision leaks. And that means mission church. Listen, mission church, we need to top our tanks off every once in a while. Remind ourselves of the vision that God has called us to. What is our mission? And then be faithful to that mission. So understand that vision leaks. And here's the last one. And then we have some slides about explaining our mission. The last one is boldness. Just imagine your mind's eye. The early Christians. And they gather there in Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit comes down upon them. And they, they are given power. What were they given power for? What were they given power? I mean, why did the power come upon them as the Spirit was poured into them? They were, big, they were given power to be witnesses into all parts of the world. You see, they're 
they were being given power to share their testimony and their story with other people. You see, that's what God is calling us to do in these many forms and in these many ways that we're saying this is what church is. Amen. And so we respond by saying we are a church that is moving in mission. And so I want to share with you our goals and our strategic plan for the next five years. We've already had a glimpse of the process. The process was in February. We gathered around tables and you gave us input of what you feel like the Holy Spirit was saying to you that day. Prayerfully saying, this is what we're to be. And so we have the survey and then the analysis that Dr. Crow just shared with us. And then, and then we had a case for change. We asked the board members and our paid pastoral staff members, what is this survey? What are the results saying to us? And we came up with this case for change, that there was a reason to make changes. And so we accepted that. And then what is the process and what are the plans for this goal process that God has given us? And what is the vision in our mission statement? And we see it. It's right here before us. And, of course, today is Vision Sunday. So the vision becomes very descriptive. So we are very uh, uh, thoroughly describing the vision that we imagine or the picture of what we imagine the church is, is called to and is going to be like. And it's kind of lengthy, but I want to invite you to look at the vision. It's there on your brochure, by the way. You can look at your brochure and follow along on the back there. Our vision is to be the living, breathing body of Christ. I like that already. We will do that by impacting our community through love, service, and inviting everyone to come to our campus. The vision of making Christ-like disciples of the nations will begin at home at Mission Church. This is a vision of global movement of God that introduces people to Jesus and walks with them in their journey. Our vision will cause us to set challenging goals for the next five years. Our goals will include seeking God's kingdom. We have seek over here. Seeking God's kingdom as we disciple and expand ministry. This includes connecting all individuals to God's family, be it in corporate worship or in a small group mission community. This expansion includes addressing the need for better facilities for youth ministry in a way that is smart and effective in holding and reaching more people. This vision includes mobilizing our congregation to do good ministry and serving our community. Our goals will include reaching people for Christ through effective outreach ministries and systems that create a culture that is inviting and also encourages us to invite those who do not attend to come and meet Jesus. Our vision is to lead all people to know and follow the one we love, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we take that vision, that very lengthy vision statement, and we, we, we try to dehydrate it, so to speak, into three simple words. What are those words? Seek, serve, and reach. And so we set goals according to those three words that we might hold ourselves accountable. And in fact, there are five categories that we're going to hold ourselves accountable to in the next five years. So the plan, our goals, seek the kingdom. And I'm going to kind of go fast and summarize because I understand we have limited time. But the seek the kingdom, to seek God's will for the individual family and the body of Christ in discipleship. So think about that. Discipleship ministry and the campus of this local church. So we need to facilitate ministry as there is growth in ministry and we are being discipled. Areas of focus, recognition of three must-haves in church. What are the must-haves? Excellent worship. We understand that. That's a given. A safe, effective children and youth ministry. That's safe and effective. And then holistic, intentional discipleship. So what we're saying is instead of calling our adult 
groups and Bible studies and home groups, life groups, we're going to call them mission communities. And the board thought it was important that we change that from life group to mission communities because we are a church on mission. And we want to see every small group have the empty chair dynamic so that, you know, we're thinking about maybe somebody that we can reach out to and invite to come and be a part of our mission community. Maybe, again, it's moving that community into a public location where we can build relationship. Um, campus master plan, of course, that's addressing those facility issues. Mission communities, we have 20 in regards to small groups and adult Bible studies and classes and junior high and senior high classes. We have a total of 20 right now. So the goal is in five years that we'll have 40 mission communities, 40 mission communities. We started one two Wednesday nights ago, uh, an adult Bible study. So we've already added one. So we're already to 21. And that's going to continue as we add one class or mission community every six months. Currently, we have two worship services, so the challenge is that we had add one service in the first year. Well, congratulations, Jeff. Next Sunday night is the first one. And then there will be another one added maybe an early Sunday morning and then maybe a, a, a service off campus. I don't know, as the Holy Spirit leads us, but we want to reach the world for Christ. Amen. And so that means we're going to make plans to do that. Uh, children's ministry, a part of that is still that movement. We see in from zero to 12 years of age, there's about 35 give or take, but we see uh, our ministry to children increasing as time goes. Pastor Karen has given us her goals and her her uh, objectives to achieve this. Uh, currently, we have lease buildings for our teens for youth and junior high. Our, our buildings out there, teens, I don't know if you knew this or not, but our buildings that are your buildings, those are leased buildings. We do not own those buildings. I didn't know that. And so we're paying like 1800 bucks a month to lease these buildings. And really what we need is we need a nice facility, a multi-use facility that has restrooms. And it's for our youth and our teenagers. And folks, I'm saying it was a majority, a majority. This is a priority. I said, well, let's do this in five years. No, you know what the board said, teens? The board said, no, we can do this in three years. They made me move the schedule up in that right, Barry, because we feel that we can do the research and have a campaign and build that in time that's got God's plan, not ours. So and then we have um, we have uh, served the community to lead our congregation in engaging our community and the social needs of our day and provide avenues for members to participate. Jeff, come up here and stand beside me. I'm sorry to do this. I embarrass him all the time, but I, I just love this guy. I, I He's, he's like a son. Is that okay if I say that to you? Uh, you already said it. So. Okay, yeah. <laughs> he, he's like a son, and I mean that. And I just, I'm behind this guy 100%. I tell you what, I just lift him up. So anyhow, the reason why I bring him up here is because, yes, food pantry, clothing bank, and we need a whole team to organize that for us. But we're going to focus on five human interest ministries. And instead of everybody coming up with different ideas of different human interest ministries, we get a smattering here, a smattering here. Hey, let's go do this. Let's do this. Well, rather than, than just having kind of a halfway result, two or three people here and there, what we're going to do is we're going to own five human interest ministries. And we're going to find five directors to lead those ministries. We'll call them mercy leaders, and we'll call this mercy ministry. And those five human interest ministries, like Beauty for Ashes, the human trafficking ministry, or maybe um, a homeless ministry with a church you've mentioned to me about living water. Living water. Whatever, we'll find out five 
we'll pick five human interest ministries, and with laser beam focus, we'll lockstep with them, and we will support them as a congregation. So five of you as leaders will recruit a team. And then two Sundays a year, I'm given two Sundays a year, we'll have their leaders speak at our church, and then we'll have an offering for them so they can really give them not just you know, a couple hundred dollars, but thousands of dollars so that we can really infuse these human interest ministries and not so that people say, oh, look at what Jeff is doing or look at what the church is doing, but because we really want to affect change and minister to people because this was a strong response on our survey. And I have Jeff standing here because he's going to administrate those five mercy ministries. And I want to thank him. Thank you for doing that. God bless you. Amen. He's going to do that. He'll do a good job, too. Um, so then we have our reach the world to follow God's mandate of the great commission by equipping those who worship at mission church to share their faith and their story. So once a quarter, I want to have Sunday morning after church, just some slices of pizza and anybody that's willing to, uh, come over there and just sit with me. And we're going to talk about how to share faith. Our staff will be a part of that. I think Jeff was talking to me about how do we share faith with millennials? How do we share faith with, you know, younger people? How do we share faith with people at the workplace? I mean, how do we, if we don't ever discuss it, then we're not learning how to do it. And so we're going to once a quarter have an opportunity to just talk about how do we share our faith? Amen? Because God has called us to do that. And we see that. To reach the world. That's the reach over here. So we want to have, in addition to that, uh, uh, we want to have successful outreach Sundays each year. So a couple times a year, we want to have a Sunday that we are really inviting you and ourselves to invite people to come to church. It's not about numbers. It's about us being effective as a church. Um, In February, we had a friend day, and uh, I challenged the church to bring friends. And we had about 400 people coming, you know, to church. And we had nine people come. Nine people showed up. And that's great that we had nine. You know, the glass is half full. But, folks, we can do better than that. November 19th, we're going to have a a friend day here. And I'm challenging all of us to bring somebody to church and begin that hot list of people that maybe you don't even know their names, but you're you're building a relationship with them, that that we all participate in that event. And and you see, that Sunday back in February kind of told me about the temperature of our church. And that's why I believe the answer is to raise the evangelistic temperature of our church that we might be mobilized as a church to be effective in reaching people for Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we'll go into public venues. Uh, we want to have two public events per year. That's like bringing in maybe, say, a Dave Ramsey who's a financial guru from a spiritual biblical perspective, maybe having him come in on a Saturday and do a workshop, have him speak on Sunday. I mean, having some at least two times a year, a kind of event that will bring thousands to our campus that we might build bridges with our community. So you can see that there. Uh, attendance, and uh, this is just about it, my last slide here. Uh, attendance, of course, you see, that kind of holds us accountable, not because numbers really what we are focusing on. It's because we just want to hold ourselves accountable. And this is my last slide, guys. So here, obviously, in 2016-17 year, we reported 1,178,000. Now, that sounds like a lot, but really uh, a church this size with as much staff as we have uh, and, and the bills that, that we accrue here, I mean, electricity alone is like four grand a month. It's silly. But it takes about $100,000 a month. So 
the income that we see here is really pretty good. I mean, it's really good for a church this size. You guys are doing an awesome job. Thank you for your giving. I, I just want to commend you for your great giving and sacrificial tithing. But as the attendance grows and ministry grows and we're effective, then we're going to see an increase in the income as well. And we want to be faithful in the area of tithes and offerings. And, and so, you know, uh, I, I believe that you can see, you know, maybe where we're headed and, and, and how we're going to get there. And, and I can just imagine in my mind's eye, I mean, I'm imagining right now that people are so excited about Mission Church of the Nazarene that you are so excited about Mission Church of the Nazarene that you begin to bring people to church before even Friend Day happens. I can imagine people so excited about getting to Mission Church of the Nazarene that cars are in line out there trying to find a place to park. And we've got to figure that out, Paul, so that people are coming in here trying to get into the service. I can imagine that, that we're so full that we have to knock out that back wall. I can imagine that we are a church that is on fire for Jesus Christ because we know where we're going and we're, we know how we're going to get there. I can just imagine. I can imagine in the creative arts realm that we would have multiple worship teams serving many services that would allow us to reach out to our community, that we would be able to organize theatrical plays, cantatas, host large concerts to bring the outside community in, that with the help of innovative technology, that maybe we would be able to allow those who are physically unable to be present to be able to be here and experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, I can imagine building an uh, entire team, uh, an arts team, that would create inspirational and beautiful design to enhance our worship experience. But ultimately, that we would be seen as a church or continue to be seen as a church who worships and seeks God authentically, Amen. who not only worships on Sunday, but takes our faith into our daily life. Amen. I can imagine... A place where, just like right back there, there's little kids laughing, running in the halls because they absolutely love being at their church. This is their home. This is where they know they're loved, valued, cared for, and they can't wait. And they're pulling on their mom and dad. Hey, Miss Ellie. And they're pulling on mom and dad, and they can't wait to be in church because this is where they belong. And I can imagine a place where when they get into Sunday school class, they are falling in love with Jesus. Because their teachers are creative and age-appropriate and passionate and caring and compassionate. And they know that. And they learn to grow and they learn about Jesus every single day that they're here. And I can imagine that because of all this, they can't wait to tell their friends. And they bring their friends with them to church so that they can laugh and they can learn the love of Jesus. Amen. One day at a time. Thank you, Pastor. That's going to be hard to follow. I can imagine, and actually it would be better, be, be better put as um, we are anticipating uh, for students to grow in Christ Jesus. And in that relationship with Christ, they begin a life that's living outside of themselves and furthering the kingdom of God. In a perfect situation, we have students for six years. That's a short period of time. And, uh, and in that time, students, whether they realize it or not, they're, they're seeking, they're, they're, they're discovering. First of all, they're asking the question, who am I? Uh, they're discovering their own moralities. They're studying their own rules. They're, they're discovering their own faith and, um, and convictions. So we want to walk alongside those students 
and help them and be a part of that journey. And the way that we want to do this is through our student ministry uh, mission, which is Wednesday Nights Plus Two. Uh, Wednesday nights is worship together. We want to create an, um, an environment, an experience for them that they experience those five pillars of worship. And then, of course, plus two. Uh, the first one is, is that we desire for them to serve their church and their community, to get outside Amen. of the church and to show the love of Christ to the world. And the second part of plus two is for them to make disciples that God does something in the midst of their life that he moves them and works through them to be Jesus, not only in word, but in deed, in their world, their schools, their families. And, of course, that mission fulfills the mission of our church that we see here of seek and serve and reach. I can imagine uh, mission being a place where everyone is invited and welcome to experience an authentic community of people who are just really passionate about following Jesus, that the students and the young adults here are, are completely captured by the person of Jesus, by the life that's offered in his kingdom, um, that the young adults who are here are not here because of obligation or responsibility or because they know it's the right thing to do, but they actually do believe Amen. in the church. They, they love it. And, and even in its messiness and its flaws, they realize that this is God's plan for the world to establish his kingdom. And, and they also want to be part of what Jesus is doing, reconciling all things to himself. And it starts with us. Um, you know, I could just imagine like our young adults uh, serving, like knowing what their identity is as children of God and their calling to be disciples and the light of the world and, and serving here in the church, yes, but so much more than that. Everywhere they go, um, in their jobs, in their campuses, yeah. that they would yeah. just bring, take the kingdom with them because they're citizens of that kingdom and, and that they would be able to, <clears throat> to bless those places. Um, and shine the light of Jesus, even in the darkest place that we wouldn't be afraid of entering in those spaces because the light of Jesus shines and no darkness can overcome it. That's what I can see our young adults. I can only imagine recovery ministry programs that are Christ-based, providing healing. Healing of struggles and pain, hurt, and family situations. Healing that even takes place outside of our community where we invite others in, that they may come here with those hurts and those pains and those struggles, and they go through programs that offer them healing that is healing through Christ, that is Christ-centered and Christ-based, renewed in faith. I can imagine a seasoned adult ministry whereby these uh, adults get excited about the opportunity to support all of these ministries. And I, I see these people establishing friendships with maybe a 7th grader or, 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 or a 22-year-old. And, and when, you need a, when you need a job interview and someone to write a recommendation, you don't go to your 15-year-old friend to get it. You go to somebody that you know by name, and they have been a corporate president of a company. And you know them. And you get their recommendation. I can see a church that uh, likes to tell their story, and they do so through the, uh, a book that is published by Mission Church Press, which already exists, Pastor. I made sure we got that name. And uh, I can see someone like 
Larry Webb writing his story. But let's see what God wants to do. And I met a man today whose father is listed in this book, written about him, and I gave him a book, and he thanked me for it. I can see us writing our stories. My best friend just passed away last night. Well, here's my father-in-law, 96 years old. I met him when I was 20. He became my best friend. And I see a church where when our older people die and the funeral takes place, the teens want to be there because they, they, they know that these were giants in their midst. That's what I can imagine. Amen. And I can imagine, I can imagine a church that is involved in seeking the kingdom of God, seeking God's presence in their life through, through individuals and groups and Sunday school classes and Bible classes, seeking God's will by studying the word of God. I can imagine a church that is mobilized and serving our community so that there's nobody that's just sitting here. We're all a part of the team. We're all being mobilized to serve our community through the efforts of Mercy Ministries that Pastor Jeff will be leading for us. I can imagine then a world that is reaching, that is being reached for the cause and the glory of Jesus Christ. And that you're doing the reaching and you're inviting your friends and you're building bridges in the people's lives as we reach our world for the glory of God's kingdom. Can you just imagine? 